Part fifteen of Travels in Lancashire. The Lancashire Witches by William Harrison Ainsworth. Book the third, chapter four. The Gorge of Cliviger. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The sun had already set for Nicholas Ashton of Todmorden then a very small village indeed, and alighting at a little inn near the church, found the ale so good, and so many boon companions assembled to discuss it, that he would fain have tarried with them for an hour or so, but prudence for once, getting the better of inclination, and suggesting that he had fifteen or sixteen miles still to ride over a rough and lonely road, part of which lay through the gorge of Cliviger, a long and solitary pass among the English Apennines and moreover had a large sum of money about him he tore himself away by a great effort on quitting the smiling valley of todmorden and drawing near the dangerous defile before mentioned some misgivings crossed him and he almost reproached himself with foolhardiness in venturing within it at such an hour and wholly unattended several recent cases of robbery some of them attended by murder had occurred within the pass and these now occurred so forcibly to the squire that he was half inclined to ride back to todmorden and engage two or three of the topers he had left at the inn to serve him as an escort as far as burnley but he dismissed the idea almost as soon as formed and casting one look at the green and woody slopes around him struck spurs into robin and dashed into the gorge on the right towered a precipice on the bare crest of which stood a heap of stones piled like a column the remains probably of a cairn on this commanding point nicholas perceived a female figure dilated to gigantic proportions against the sky who as far as he could distinguish seemed watching him and making signs to him apparently to go back but he paid little regard to them and soon afterwards lost sight of her precipitous and almost inaccessible rocks of every variety of form and hue some springing perpendicularly up like the spire of a church others running along in broken ridges or presenting the appearance of high embattled walls here riven into deep gullies there opening into wild savage glens fit spots for robber ambuscade now presenting a fair smooth surface now jagged shattered shelving roughened with brushwood sometimes bleached and hoary as in the case of the pinnacled crag called the white kirk sometimes green with moss or grey with lichen sometimes though but rarely shaded with timber as in the approach to the cavern named the earl's bower but generally bold and naked and sombre in tint as the colours employed by the savage rosa such were the distinguishing features of the gorge of cliviger when nicholas traversed it now the high embankments and mighty arches of a railway fill up its recesses and span its gullies the roar of the engine is heard where the cry of the bird of prey alone resounded and clouds of steam usurp the place of the mist wreaths on its crags formerly the high cliffs abounded with hawks the rocks echoed with their yells and screeches and the spots adjoining their nests resembled in the words of the historian of the district whittaker little charnel-houses for the bones of game formerly also on some inaccessible point built the rock-eagle 
and reared its brood from year to year the gaunt wolf had once ravaged the glens and the sly fox and fierce catamountain still harboured within them nor were these the only objects of dread the superstitious declared the gorge was haunted by a frightful hirsute demon yclept hobthurst the general savage character of the ravine was relieved by some spots of exquisite beauty where the traveller might have lingered with delight if apprehension of assault from robber or visit from hobthurst had not urged him on numberless waterfalls gushing from fissures in the hills coursed down their seamy sides looking like threads of silver as they sprang from point to point one of the most beautiful of these cascades issuing from a gully in the rocks near the cavern called earl's bower fell in rainy seasons in one unbroken sheet of a hundred and fifty feet through the midst of the gorge ran a swift and brawling stream known by the appellation of the calder but it must not be confounded with the river flowing past wally abbey the course of this impetuous current was not always restrained within its rocky channel and when swollen by heavy rains it would frequently invade the narrow causeway running beside it and spreading over the whole width of the gorge render the road almost impassable through this rocky and sombre defile and by the side of the brawling calder which dashed swiftly past him nicholas took his way the hawks were yelling overhead the rooks were cawing on the topmost branches of some tall timber on which they built a raven was croaking lustily in the wood and a pair of eagles were soaring in the still glowing sky by and by the glen contracted and a wall of steep rocks on either side hemmed the shuddering traveller in instinctively he struck spurs into his horse and accelerated his pace the narrow glen expands the precipices fall further back and the traveller breathes more freely still he does not relax his speed for his imagination has been at work in the gloom peopling his path with lurking robbers or grinning boggarts he begins to fear he shall lose his gold and execrates his folly for incurring such a heedless risk but it is too late now to turn back it grows rapidly dusk and objects become less and less distinct assuming fantastical and fearful forms a blasted tree clinging to a rock and thrusting a bare branch across the road looks to the squire like a bandit and a white owl bursting from a bush scares him as if it had been hobthurst himself however in spite of these and other alarms for which he is indebted to excited fancy he hurries on and is proceeding at a thundering pace when all at once his horse comes to a stop arrested by a tall female figure resembling that scene near the mountain cairn at the entrance of the gorge nicholas's blood ran cold for though in this case he could not apprehend plunder he was fearful of personal injury for he believed the woman to be a witch mustering up courage however he forced robin to proceed if his progress was meant to be barred a better spot for the purpose could not have been selected a narrow road scarcely two feet in width ran round the ledge of a tremendous crag jutting so far into the glen that it almost met the steep barrier of rocks opposite it between these precipitous crags dashed the river in a foaming cascade nearly twelve feet in height and the steep narrow causeway winding beside it 
as above described was rendered excessively slippery and dangerous from the constant cloud of spray arising from the fall at the highest and narrowest point of the ledge and occupying nearly the whole of its space with an overhanging rock on one side of her and a roaring torrent on the other stood the tall woman determined apparently from her attitude and deportment to oppose the squire's further progress as nicholas advanced he became convinced that it was the same person he had seen near the cairn but when her features grew distinguishable he found to his surprise that it was nance redfern halloa nance he cried what are you doing here lass eh come to warn ye squire she replied you once did me a sarvice and i hanna forgotten it that's why i watch you fro the cairn cliffs and motion ye to give back but ye didna understand me signs i wouldna heed em so i becomed here to stay ye ye're in danger i tell ye in danger of what my good woman demanded the squire uneasily i be in robbed and plundered o your gowd replied nance there are five men waiting to set upon ye a mile further on at the bowder stones indeed exclaimed nicholas they will get little for their pains i have no money about me don't i think to deceive me squire rejoined nance i know ye borrowed three hundred pound gowd for young rutchart ashton and as surely as ye hae it o under your jerkin so surely will ye lose it if ye dunna turn back or gee on without me keeping ye company i have no objection on earth to your company nance replied the squire quite the contrary but how the devil should these rascals expect me and above all how should they conjecture i should come so well provided for sooth to say such is not ordinarily the case with me i know it well squire replied nance with a laugh but they have received certain information of your movements there is only one person who could give them such information cried nicholas but i cannot will not suspect him if you think in a lawrence fog you know far wider th mark squire replied nance what fog leagued with robbers impossible exclaimed nicholas no it's na so impossible as all that returned nance you'n stare when i tell you he has robbed your money a time without your being aware on it you were unwise enough to send him round to your friends to borrow money for you true so i was but luckily no one would lend me any said nicholas there you're wrong squire for unluckily they all did replied nance with a scarcely suppressed laugh roger knoll gied him one hundred thomas whittaker of home another rutchart parker of brown's home another and more the same way and the rascal pocketed it all and never brought me back one farthing cried nicholas in a transport of rage i'll have him hanged sure hanging's too good for him to deceive me his friend his benefactor his patron in such a manner to dwell in my house eat at my table drink my wine wear my habiliments ride my horses hunt with my hounds has the dog no conscience very little i'm afeard replied nance and the worst of it is continued the squire new lights breaking upon him i shall be liable for all the sums he's received he was my confidential agent and the lenders will come upon me it must be six or seven hundred pounds that he's obtained in this nefarious way zounds i shall go mad 
you were to blame for trusting him squire rejoined nance you ought to have made proper inquiries about him at first and then you'd have found out what sort of chap he were for now and tell thee laura's fog is cheaper a band of robbers and all the black and villainous deeds done o late in this place have been perpetrated by his men a poor gentleman were murdered by him i this very spot th week afore last and his body cast into t river fog of course had no aunt in the foul deed but he would na interfere to prevent it if he had been here for he never scrupled shedding blood and if he'd been content wi robbing you squire they wouldn't have betrayed him but when he proposed to cut your throttle because as he said dead men tell no tales i could hold out no longer and resolved to gie a warning what a monstrous and unheard-of villain cried the squire but is he one of the ambuscade nance replied in the affirmative then by heaven i will confront him i will hew him down pursued nicholas gripping the hilt of his sword now you sit elly in view of a power and guilt said nance tap me wi ye and then carry ye safely through em more but gie alone and ye'll ne'er see down em again and now it's reet i should tell ye who lawrence fogg really is what new wonder is in store for me cried nicholas who is he maybe ye hae tell that mother demdike had a son and a doubter replied nance the doubter being of course elizabeth device and the son christopher demdike being supposed to be dead howsomever this is not the case for lawrence fogg is he i guessed as much when you began cried nicholas he has a cursedly bad look about the eyes a damned demdike physiognomy what an infernal villain the fellow must be without a jot of natural feeling why he has this very day assisted at his nephew's capture and caused his own sister to be arrested oh i have been properly duped to lodge a son of that infernal hag in my house feed him clothe him make him my friend take him the viper to my bosom i have been rightly served but he shall hang he shall hang that is some consolation though slight but how do you know all this nance dunna ax me she replied whatever i ha' been to christopher demdike i bear him now love now for as i ha' told you he's a black-hearted murthering villain well let me get up behind you and then bring ye through scathless and to-morrow ye may arrest the whole band at malkin tower malkin tower exclaimed the squire in fresh surprise this accounts for all the strange sights said to have been seen there of late and which i treated as mere fables but ah a terrible thought crosses me what have i done mistress nutter will be there to-night and i have sent her death and destruction she will fall into their hands i must go there at once i cannot take any assistance with me that would betray the poor lady if you'd trust me it'd help you through the difficulty replied nance get up then quickly lass since it must be so rejoined nicholas with this he moved forward and giving her his hand she was instantly seated behind him upon robin who seemed no way incommoded by his double burthen but dashed down the further side of the causeway in answer to a sharp application of the spur passing her arms round the squire's waist nance maintained her seat well and in this way they rattled along heedless of the increasing difficulties of the road 
or the fast-gathering gloom the mile was quickly passed and nance whispered in the squire's ear that they were approaching the boulder stones presently they came to a narrow glen half filled with huge rocky fragments detached from the toppling precipices on either side and forming an admirable place of ambuscade one rock larger than the rest completely commanded the pass and as the squire advanced a thundering voice from it called to him to stay and the injunction being disregarded the barrel of a gun was protruded from the bushes covering its brow and a shot fired at him though well aimed the ball struck the ground beneath his horse's feet and nicholas continued his way unmoved while the faulty marksman jumped down the crag at the same time four other men started from their places of concealment behind the stones and levelling their calivers at the fugitives fired the sharp discharges echoed along the gorge and the shots rattled against the rocks but none of them took effect and nicholas might have gone on without further hindrance but despite nancy's remonstrances who urged him to go on he pulled up to await the coming of the person who had first challenged him scarcely an instant elapsed before he was beside the squire and presented a petronel at his head notwithstanding the gloom nicholas recognised him ah is it thou accursed traitor cried nicholas i could scarcely believe in thy villainy but now i am convinced the jade you have got behind you has told you who i am i see replied fogg i will settle with her anon but this will save further explanations with you and he discharged the petronel full at the squire but the ball rebounded as if his doublet had been quilted it was in fact lined with gold on seeing the squire unhurt the robber captain uttered an exclamation of rage and astonishment you are mistaken you see perfidious villain cried nicholas you have yet to render an account of all the wrongs you have done me but meantime you shall not pass unpunished and as he spoke he snatched the petronel from fogg and with the butt-end dealt him a tremendous blow on the head felling to the ground by this time the other robbers had descended from the rocks and seeing the fall of their leader rushed forward to avenge him but nicholas did not tarry for any further encounter but fully satisfied with what he had done struck spurs into robin and galloped off for a few minutes he could hear the shouts of the men but they soon afterwards died away little more than half the ravine had been traversed when the rencontre above described took place and rendered doubly so by the obscurity no further hindrance occurred till just as nicholas was quitting the gloomy intricacies of the gorge and approaching the more open country beyond it at this point robin fell throwing both him and nance and when the animal rose again he was found to be so much injured that it was impossible to mount him there was no resource but to proceed to burnley which was still three or four miles distant on foot in this dilemma nance volunteered to provide the squire with another steed but he resolutely refused the offer no no none of your broomsticks for me he cried no devil's horses i don't know where they may carry me my own legs must serve me now i'll just take poor robin out of the road and then trudge off for burnley as fast as i can with this he led the horse to a small green mead skirting the stream and taking off his saddle and bridle 
and depositing them carefully under a tree he patted the animal on the neck promising to return for him on the morrow and then set off at a brisk pace with nance walking beside him they had not got far however when the clattering of hoofs was heard behind them and it was evident that several horsemen were rapidly approaching nance stopped listened for a moment and then declaring it was demdike and his band in pursuit seized the squire's arm and drew him out of the road and under the shelter of some bushes of hazel the robber captain could only have been stunned it appeared and as soon as he had recovered from the effects of the blow had mounted his horse which was concealed with those of his men behind the rocks and started after the fugitives such was the construction put upon the matter by nance and the event proved it correct a loud shout from the horsemen and a sudden halt proclaimed that poor robin had been discovered and this circumstance seemed to give great satisfaction to demdike who loudly declared that they were now sure of overtaking the runaways they cannot be far off he cried but they will most likely attempt to hide themselves so look well about you so saying he rode on and it was evident from the noise that the men implicitly obeyed his injunctions nothing however was found and ere many minutes demdike came up and glancing at the hazels behind which the fugitives were hidden he discharged a petronel into the largest tree but as no movements followed the report he said i thought i saw something move here but i suppose i was mistaken no doubt they've got further than we expected or have retired into some of the cloughs in which case it will be useless to search for them however we will make sure of them in this way two of you shall form an ambuscade near home and two further on within half a mile of burnley and shall remain on the watch till dawn so that you will be sure to capture them and when taken make away with them without hesitation unless my skull had been of the strongest that butcherly squire would have cracked it so he shall have no grace from me and as to that treacherous witch nance redfern she deserves death at our hands and she shall have her deserts i've long suspected her and indeed was a fool to trust one of the vile chattocks brood who are all my natural enemies but no matter i shall have my revenge the men having promised compliance with their captain's command he went on as to myself he said i shall go forthwith and as fast as my horse can carry me to malkin tower and i will tell you why it's not that i dislike the game we're upon but i have better to play just now tom shaw the cockmaster at downham who's in my pay rode over to wally this afternoon to bring me word that a certain lady who's been long concealed in the manor-house will be taken to malkin tower to-night the intelligence is certain for he had obtained it from old crouch the huntsman who is to escort her thus mistress nutter for you all know who i mean will fall naturally into our hands and we can wring any sums of money we like out of her for though she's abandoned her property to her daughter alison she can no doubt have as much as she wants and i will take care she asks for plenty or i will try the effect of some of those instruments of torture which i was lucky enough to find in the dungeons of malkin tower and which were used for a like purpose by my predecessor blackburn the freebooter are you content me lads ay ay captain demdike they replied upon this the whole party set forward and were speedily out of hearing 
as soon as they thought it prudent to come forth the squire and nance emerged from their place of shelter what is to be done exclaimed the former who was almost in a state of distraction the villain has announced his intention of going to malkin tower and mistress nutter will assuredly fall into his hands oh that i could stop him or get there before him yes Anne, if you like to ride with me said nance but how in what way asked nicholas leave that to me replied nance breaking off a long branch of hazel take hold of this she cried the squire obeyed and was instantly carried off his legs and whisked through the air at a prodigious rate he felt giddy and confused but did not dare to leave go lest he should be dashed to pieces while nancy's wild laughter rang in his ears over the bleached and perpendicular crag startling the eagle from his eyrie over the yawning gully with the torrent roaring beneath him over the sharp ridges of the hill over townley park over burnley steeple over the wide valley beyond he went until at last bewildered out of breath and like one in a dream he alighted on a brown bare healthy expanse and within a hundred yards of a tall circular stone structure which he knew to be malkin tower End of part 15